0: Blog Talk Radio. Another day, love Channel.
1: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Riding the Wave. I'm Mark Healy, the host of the podcast and the editor in chief of the Wave Newspaper, Rockaways Newspaper since 1893. We've got a unfortunately a a very special show today. Uh, We really wanted to, you know, start the process of really starting to uh, not only recognize that we're in a crisis, but also create a situation where we are getting uh, the most up-to-date information. So today, we'll be, we will be speaking with the CEO and uh, Chief Medical Officer of the Joseph P. Adabo Health Center, Dr. Miriam Vega, and Dr. Veronica Wiltshire. And they'll be joining us in a couple of uh, seconds here. But I uh, just wanted to say that the reason I wanted to do this podcast is that, you know, I'm an old-school newspaper guy, so I am cynical of mass-produced assembly line you know, distributed news to begin with. But when it comes to a pandemic like the coronavirus, the need for accurate information from medical professionals, I believe is critical to understanding and dealing with the threat, especially when you have an overabundance of politicians weighing in and talking about, you know, thousands of cases and millions of deaths. And, uh, you know, the, the kind of rhetoric that really, um, you know, that really is dangerous at this time uh in in our in our country. So again, um, without further ado, I would like to welcome uh Doctor Vega and Dr. Wiltshire uh on the program. Um uh, welcome to the show, uh doctors. I really appreciate you making me making time to be on with me today.
0: Thank you. Thank, Thank you. For you. Having <laughs>
1: So let let me start with uh, Dr. Vega, Um, you know, when we when we touched base earlier in the week, you know, so much has changed since then with coronavirus and what is going on with the state and the city's reaction. So um, as we stand right now, uh, what what is uh, the Adabo Health Center? uh, What's the main message that you want to get out to folks in Rockaway?
0: Well, the the main message that uh, we want to get out to the community members is that we are here, we are open for the community, and we're part of the community, and we're with you. Um, We, too, are, um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I will say it, we are apprehensive about what's going on as well, Um, but we are committed to continuing to provide the services that the community needs, and um, we're doing everything possible to provide services in a safe environment as well. So we're practicing social distancing within the clinic itself, and we're also implementing new innovative strategies such as telehealth, where we can see patients remotely. They can stay in their houses and still receive care.
1: So, Dr. Wilshire, um I, I, I believe your background is in pediatrics, or at least that's where it started. Is that correct? Yes.
2: Yeah, so I'm a pediatrician, and um, uh, back in July of last year, I became a chief medical officer. So I still do see patients every Friday.
1: So So my question is that, you know, i get a lot of questions from folks and they say well you know now that you know i know that they're saying that the at-risk or at least the the majority of the at-risk patient is the uh patient that's over 65 that might have other underlying issues but we're also hearing cases of young children uh, having the virus so when parents ask me uh, mark what am i supposed to do now that my kids are home how can i you know how can i recognize or how can I figure out whether or not they might be, you know, the need to be tested?
2: Right, so so the thing is we are so limited with the test, we're testing only high-risk people. So we're following the CDC guidelines, and um, part of the guideline includes um, people who have underlying conditions, chronic conditions, or who had a history of um, recent travel, right? So we'll have patients who, for instance, have runny nose or cold or cough or fever. We, you know, it doesn't mean that they have to come to the clinic to get tested, right? So we would want those patients to stay at home, try to do Tylenol, fluids, rest, and if they're not getting, they know that they're having these symptoms, and then we'll tell them, okay, well, once we have the test, uh, we don't we're going to be getting some testing soon, they'll be able to come in and and um, and we'll be able to first test them for the flu. And um, once we know that they have the flu, then we don't have to worry about COVID. But if they're tested negative for the flu, then we would, you know, go ahead and give them a test. So not every call for every cold symptoms is COVID, and we want to make sure that the Patients who are more severe illnesses are the ones who uh, we focus on getting tested. So people who have mild symptoms, even though they might be concerned, we would like them to um, remain at home and try to do those measures, you know, um, Tylenol, fluids, and little cough syrup and so on at home.
1: You know, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because uh, there is some thought, or at least there's been some reports that ibuprofen uh, is the worst thing to take uh, for if you're having any uh, symptoms that you might think that you're infected. Is that is that true, or is that something that is, you know, kind of been well, overreported?
2: I think, you know, so it's because this virus, the coronavirus, you know, this particular one is very new to the entire world, you know. Um, so we're still learning a lot of things, but um, we still have to take heed, right? So we're listening to the different we're listening to the different reports. We don't want to just turn a blind eye. So some of the reports that have been coming out from uh, France and different places have been showing that uh, people who were given ibuprofen, ibuprofen, which is Motrin, um, they have been experiencing more severe forms of um, coronavirus infection. So as a matter of fact, I just sent it out to my uh, providers to let them know to not use that. Even though it's not a proven thing yet, we are just making sure that we um, hear on the side of caution. Um, Ibuprofen is anti-inflammatory. So they're saying maybe by by us giving that to patients, it might suppress um, that system. And cause the virus we don't have much information on this virus so we're all learning from each other so if you know this is not something that would hurt us because we have Tylenol that we can use in the meantime you know so instead of just doing using this that we're not sure of the safest thing I would rather is for us to use uh, the Tylenol just to be on the safe side
1: sure You know, again, we're speaking with Dr. Miriam Vega and Dr. Veronica Wiltshire from the Adabo, Joseph P. Adabo Family Health Center uh, who have made the time to be with us today. And, again, I want to apologize to our listeners. Uh, our uh, We're having some tech issues because, you know, we had to do this remotely. We weren't able to, you know, we're trying to follow the rules. Not that I like to be a rule follower, but, you know, now it's kind of <laughs> critical to be someone who follows the rules. So, Dr. Vega, I want to touch on something that – uh somebody brought up to me recently, and that is that how do you, as the, I mean, this is brand new for you, you know, you've only been the CEO uh, when we did a, a sit-down interview with you a few months ago, so, you know, this is kind of a baptism by fire to, you know, to use a uh, an often used cliche for you. How do you balance doing the job of taking care of people uh, that have real illnesses outside of COVID-19? um how, how do you balance that as the CEO of the Adabo Family Health Center uh where these curf- you know these 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 quarantines are in place these different uh rules are in place how do you balance getting making sure that people are taken care of uh with these restrictions
0: um you know it's a it's a fine line we're walking right um all of us and um In our communities, we know that individuals um, have a lot of other chronic health conditions outside, right, of coronavirus, and, you know, a lot of um, members of the community have heart disease, have diabetes, um, you know, suffer from obesity, and as a matter of fact, you know, early on of the five deaths in New York City from coronavirus, two of them um, had an underlying health condition of diabetes. So we understand that we need to continue um, providing care to patients um, along the whole array of health conditions. Um, While it's coronavirus all the time in the media, we are very much aware that um, patients have other um, issues that they're worrying about, whether it's HIV, diabetes, asthma, and so forth. And by addressing all those health conditions, we're also helping to um, address coronavirus as well, right? Um, so we see it as all part of the same package um, of addressing community health. We are um, aware that some individuals um, may be suffering from these chronic conditions and wanna get healthcare but are too afraid to go to health clinics right now. And we, we wanna um, validate that fear in the sense that we, we hear people, we hear their concerns Thus, we're trying everything possible to meet them where they're at um, and provide services to them from, you know, if they're at home um, or, you know, through video conferencing or through the telephone. So we're doing everything possible to meet the needs of the patients um, along the whole array of health conditions. Right. And if, Mark, I
2: can jump in and just um, expand on what Dr. Vega is saying, we actually uh, set up telemedicine services for that very reason because we want to make sure that patients who are chronic diabetics and chronic hypertensive continue to get the care that they need. Right? So, and at the same time, we don't want them to have to worry about coming um, out of the house and getting uh, exposed. So, we want them to utilize the service, call the center, and they'll be actually able to, to have a conversation, a video conversation with their provider and and still get their medicine or their questions answered and so on. So we don't have to stop any care through this whole process thanks thanks to um, telemedicine.
1: Great, great. Um, and I want a follow-up question with you, Dr. Wilshire, uh, from a couple of questions that we got. It's a two-part question uh, from one of our readers. Um, a, what symptoms should cause someone to go get tested, and B, uh, do you need an appointment to be tested? And are there, you know, does Adabo provide, uh, you know, those, those appointments and are there any other places that people can go to if they don't have an appointment? Mm
2: -hmm. So, I mean, thankfully more of the private labs are able to get tests. So, um, we are actually going to start doing what we call a walkthrough version for testing. Um, the plan is by next week to open up um, uh, some tents in our parking lot so patients can come and right. get tested, um, but they'll have to have an appointment, right? So we'll okay. uh, they'll, they'll be able to call the center and get set up for an appointment and get tested there. Currently though, Issue has been the shortage of the tests. We just weren't able to test every single person. So the tests were given to people who had severe, um, who have severe illnesses, those who are hospitalized, and those who are at high risk. So if there's a person who has multiple underlying conditions and they're presented with fever, cough, shortness of breath, that person would be someone who gets the test. Or if someone was exposed to someone known to have had the coronavirus and then now they start to have fever or they start to have a cough or sore throat, that person is going to get a test, right? So say for instance, um, we have Susie who comes to the clinic and say, well, you know, my my husband was tested for the coronavirus and it's positive. If Susie isn't having any symptoms, most likely Susie currently Isn't gonna get a test. She's gonna be told to go home and um, try to quarantine herself and monitor for symptoms. If you start to develop symptoms, you you know you you can now call the doctor and you can get a test. Uh, Definitely, if you have shortness of breath, you'll go straight to the ER. But that was because we had a shortage of tests. Um, Now that more tests are becoming available, we want to make sure that we test many people as possible. That way. Um, we can help to decrease the spread of this virus because if someone knows that they have the virus, then they would, you know, most likely behave differently and try to isolate themselves. But because we didn't have enough, we couldn't just test all the mild symptoms, but soon we'll be able to do that, and that way we will be able to decrease the spread of the virus by making sure people isolate themselves if they're positive. The whole problem with this um, issue a lot of people are going around and they don't know if they have the virus. And the thing is you're transmitting it to others. And, again, um, for the population of people who are 80 years and older, 14% of those people um, are probably going to have severe um, coronavirus infection. And what ends up happening, they end up in the hospital, they'll need ICU beds, they'll need ventilators, and we won't be able to, uh, um, to have their capacity to to accommodate them right so in order for us to prevent that we want people to get tested as much as possible so they can know and they don't spread it to the elderly or those people who are immunocompromised and so on
1: that's a great answer i really appreciate that cuz that's you know really what so many people are asking, you know, and it's one thing when a politician tells you it, and it's another thing when a doctor actually knows what's going on, will tell you yeah. what what they need. You know, it, it's really important, and you know, and that's why Dr. Vega, you know, as as a person who's the CEO of the of of the Adabo Health Center, uh, you know, I I, I got to be honest. I'd rather hear from someone like you that has not only been entrusted with the care of you know the folks in Rockaway but also entrusted with the responsibility of you know kind of running the whole operation you know, you have a great team in place. You know, Dr. Wiltshire is obviously knows what she's doing, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's you know it, that that's what's comforting to me when I hear some, mm-hmm. you know, when I hear pro- from professionals who who will tell us the things that we need to do. And here's another thing that I see constantly, and I hear constantly from people, and that is the surgical masks. You know, people are wearing surgical yeah. masks, thinking okay. that's that that thinking that that is going to, you know stop them from being infected and in fact what it is is it's for someone who may be infected or may be suffering from something to stop that person from spreading it i mean is that correct right
2: exactly that's exactly correct so those masks are to be worn to prevent that person from spreading germs right and so we don't want to be worn for the opposite way really and truly how the best way for us to prevent ourselves from getting this virus is by doing the hand hygiene, washing the hands. Even though it sounds simple and it's something that we're all supposed to do, we just got to do it, and uh, we have to be strategic when we do it. That means that we have to do it for a long time the right way to make sure we get rid of the virus because, remember, this is spread through respiratory droplets. So it's not something that's floating through the air like TB, where we need a mask. It's gonna, it, it comes from if someone coughs, if someone sneezes, and it falls on the surfaces. So if you're sharing the house with someone and they're coughing, sneezing, we don't know if they have the virus. Um, it's all over the table. Well, guess what? If you are cleaning the surfaces like we asked, if you are washing your hands and you're not touching your face, there's no way for that virus to get into your body. Um, so this is why we're telling people to, to it's better to do that, even, even at the job. I know people are so scared. Um, even here, we constantly remind our um, staff that, you know, practice frequent hand washing. You don't have to worry because unless you have very close contact with that person in the house where you're eating from the same, you know, drinking from the same cup and so on, you don't have to worry if you're washing your hands frequently because the virus can get onto your hands. And if you're touching your nose, you're touching your mouth, uh, you're rubbing your eyes, that's how you get it into your system. Once it gets right. into your system, it goes into the cells that line in the lungs, those, those cells, the epithelial cells. And, It replicates there, and it causes those cells to die, and that's how we start to have lung problems. So the virus don't just get into our system just like that, you know, unless you're very close to the person where they're coughing, sneezing, and the droplets actually fall on you. That's why we're saying to try to be distant at least six feet away. Um, there's no other way for it to get unless you help it by, you know, not washing your hands. So the mask is really not going to help you. It helps you if you're sick, then you can wear one to prevent spreading it to others. But right now, because we have such a shortage, we want to leave the mask for the healthcare professionals who are actually right. dealing with patients who are tested positive and right. they now have to intubate them. They got to do lab tests on them. We, we, we're, we're very short with supplies
0: now. That's actually the main problem right now. Right. If I, can, if I can add to that and plead to whoever may be listening, and, you know, that's my role as a CEO sometimes is to beg, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, we are, just like every other community um, clinic out there, we're very, very short on supplies. Um, you will see it on television. Um, you know, you even uh, saw the vice president yesterday begging um, construction companies to share their masks. Um, so that's why we say that um, we, we don't want individuals to just hoard the masks. Um, and to, if you're practicing hand washing and all that, you, you don't need that mask if you're not sick. You know, it's, it's to use it to prevent it, right, from, from transmitting. And so, if our healthcare workers who are on the front line of this um, national crisis can't have that um, the masks and other um, equipment to protect themselves, then we're putting everyone at risk. So we we ask um, everyone to to not hoard the masks. We are asking for you know um, more production of masks, and I was very happy to see. Um, the briefing recently um earlier today where president trump was talking about um increasing that production of masks because that is what we need at the healthcare worker um level
1: right and what about um you know uh i know that, you know they they sometimes they really don't get along and and You know, uh, when the governor of the state is saying he's not going to issue a shelter shelter in place order and and the mayor uh, and, you know, because his wife suggested that, you know, maybe Mayor de Blasio's wife suggested that we should do it. And I know that there's a couple of other politicians that are promoting the shelter in place idea. You know, Governor Cuomo this morning said he's not going to do it because he thinks that it will cause more panic than really help. You know, uh, stop the spread of the pandemic. I mean, it might be a difficult question for you to ask, Doctor Vega. But um, how do you feel about um, what the governor said? And I mean, do you think that um, do you think that uh, it would cause more harm than good to issue that order?
0: Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not a politician, <laughs> but um, you know, we we've seen the shelter-in-place order in San Francisco, and we've definitely seen right. people still going out the streets but there's definitely less individuals doing it. And I don't think they have mass panic in San Francisco. Um, I may be wrong. I'm not out there right now, but I did live there a long time ago. Um, And I think for, for here, you know, if we look at what, what has happened around the world, um, you know, Hong Kong, um, South Korea um, had very different tactics than from Italy. Right. And, and France. And now they're, doing this shelter in place, extreme shelter in place over there, because you have to at some point just flatten that curve and give the healthcare system time to be able to attend to those who are currently ill. If we um, recall, when individuals get tested, it takes um, several days to get the results back. So the numbers that we have today, we know they're not accurate because we're still waiting from the test from two days ago. So if we can you know, get individuals to um, work remotely, stay indoors, practice social distancing, we can give other people, um, those who are vulnerable, um, a chance. Um, so do I fall in, in the Blasio versus Cuomo camp? No, um, neither one, because I think they will eventually get it together. <laughs> and um, I, I can foresee that um, perhaps Cuomo wants a tri-state area shelter-in-place. I, I I could see that as a possibility, um, but we'll we'll see. But I, I do think we need to try um, to mitigate this as much as possible and use all tools at our disposal.
1: And and is there anything that we, that we haven't? Oh, oh, go right ahead. Go right ahead, Dr. Dr. Wilcher. Dr. Wilcher. Dr. Go ahead.
2: No, no, no. Sorry. I was going to say that I think part of the problem was because we were so behind on the testing, right, that I think there are so many people walking around who are actually um, positive right now, and we don't know. And because we can't test anyone this is really the problem. So if we're able to have them do the shelter in place and, you know, have people stay indoors um, and away from gatherings and so on, it would help. That way it slows the spread and we don't have this massive amount of people who need um, care um, all of a sudden because I think from statistics it shows that one in every six patients who test positive for this disease have a severe illness. Right. And um, so our healthcare system is going to get overwhelmed. Remember, we still have flu that's running rampant. We still have people who have heart disease that need their care in the ICU and so on. So it becomes too much. So it's like everything um, is going on at the same time. So I think because we were so short with the testing to begin with now, it's worse for us, you know, Right.
1: No, I I totally understand. And I I really, uh, again, I know that you're both incredibly busy, and I really wanted to thank you for sharing uh, some time with us today to let people know you know what's going on with the Adabo Center as it as it relates to COVID nineteen, and um, what's the what's the number to call when people have questions, uh, especially with the 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 tents that you'll be setting up to set appointments. What number should they call to set up an appointment or to communicate uh, with you folks? Yeah, so
2: the number is. Seven one eight nine four five seven one five zero, and it's going to give um, them a prompt. I thinking it's going to say to press star 8 or something like that to schedule a, a telemedicine visit, but if the prompt. Once you call that number, they will follow the prompt, and it will let them know. But also to visit our website, we're going to have updated information there, www.adabo.adab.com. Dot org And to follow us on Facebook and Instagram uh, because we're going to be having content call- and Twitter. Yes, Dr. Vega is the master of Twitter, so you guys should all follow her. <laughs> Dr. Vega, tell them your Twitter hand- handle. What is it?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No,
2: it's Miriam Y Vega. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Great. no, because you're sharing well, I- good information that the public needs to hear, you know?
1: Absolutely, I totally agree. And again, I want to thank you uh, both, and I wish you the best of health and safety for you and your families. And thank you for doing what you do and and keeping us safe. And uh, we will certainly, uh, you know, keep watching and and listening uh, to what folks like you have to say. Thanks again so much for joining us.
0: Thank, thank you, you, and you and, and best wishes to you and your family as well.
1: Thank you so much. Thank Stay you so much. Watch- and that was that was. That was Dr. Veronica Wiltshire, uh, the Chief Medical Officer of the Joseph P. Adabo Family Health Center, as well as the CEO, Dr. Miriam Wyvega. Uh They were very, very, um, you know, uh, so generous with their time today to really kind of answer a lot of the questions that people are asking. Uh, we'll have a more expanded version of uh, this story uh, because they did provide me with some great information. Uh, so I'll be put t- putting together a story uh, for our paper on Friday. Uh, look out for the Wave. Uh, and, yes, uh, we are we will be printing a paper. Don't you worry. Uh, we are rocking and rolling here at the Wave and doing everything that we can to keep folks informed. Thanks again for joining us. And uh, hope, hopefully uh, we don't have to do too many more of these, uh, but uh, we will be uh, in the process of putting together these types of podca- podcasts to keep folks Informed. Thanks again for riding the wave, everybody. Stay safe, stay close, and take care of your families.